Hello, my name is TJ and I'm one of the voices behind the Geek Sweat podcast. This is a special message regarding the next episode which has been recorded out of sequence during the coronavirus lockdown in the UK. Now, in response to the government daily briefings and general health and safety requirements for the pandemic, the Geek Sweat podcast team are practicing social distancing for this recording in an attempt to create new segments and continue sessions from our respective homes via a joint video call while we aim to minimize the risk and the spread of the infection from COVID-19. As such, we are working in the absence of our esteemed sound engineer, Giovanni Bastianello, aka Neo Geo. And we hope that you can bear with us and any changes in the audio quality from what you may be accustomed to earlier. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Geek Sweat podcast. We We watch watch films to save you hassle. It's another podcast with a filmmaking twist just for you. I am TJ and we will be bringing you hot topics in the film industry, inspiration interviews with IMDb listed filmmakers, review sweat on online series as a stream, trailer talk on upcoming feature films and cult TV perspectives on classic shows worth revisiting. Geek Sweat is available on Apple Podcasts where you can stream over 750,000 shows. Look for the lowercase white eye with two white ring halos inside the purple square and you can have access to over 20 million episodes in their library. Hello and welcome to another episode of Geek Sweat. I am your host, Trevor, other than I know as TJ, and I am leading on an episode called Review Sweat. Joining me today are co-presenters King Dom and Stephen. How are you doing, guys? Yeah, really good, thanks. Good to be back. Long time no hair. Even though we're broadcasting weekly, we've not seen each other in our own personal, real-life schedules. And unfortunately, that's got to do with a life-and-death situation happening outside of our doors. So how are you guys coping with um, your version of the pandemic, which looks like a sequel? Uh, at this at this stage of the year, I've been buying art. You've been buying really? art, really? Yeah, yeah. Well, not Look. art. I mean, I've been buying prints of art. Okay. Yeah, I've been decorating my room because I never. I, I my my flat was a bit scummy, and yeah. I just thought it'd be a bit to be scummy, and then one day I'd move out, and then my landlord would have to solve it all. But then my yeah. landlord decided to paint my flat, so he did that, and I thought, yeah. well, I can I stuff the wall now and make it look really nice? So I bought some bookcases. I've got, uh, got any beds, got any uh, table. You sound like you're living the artist's life. Um, so, Dom, how's uh, Pandemic 2.0 working out for you? Yeah, well, I'm working 100% online now. I don't physically go into my school to teach anymore. Um, yeah. So I don't have to go to New Malden anymore, which is a bit of a shame. I used to like going there, going to the Korean shops, going to the Korean restaurants, but I'm 100% online now. Korean people in where? New Malden. New, New Malden is the Korean centre of London, and I work yeah. in a Korean school. I did not know that. I didn't know about um, little Korean kind of enclave. Um, we don't get that sort of thing in Cornwall. We're all Cornish. It's just we're kind of dull. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess London has got like an enclave of every nationality, but the New Malden one is Korea. I would like to know your opinion, Stephen about the idea of the afterlife and the possibility of being stored or or maintained in the afterlife. What what are your thoughts on that? 
Well, I mean, I don't want it to happen like it did in um in the program we're discussing. That would be hell. Yeah, I, I think I think it's hell anyway. I don't think I'm gonna actually aspire to live in that awful country club. But um, I don't. But they're not dead, are they? They're just paused at the moment of death, and then their consciousness is augment is um downloaded uploaded. Hence the name of the show. Um, do, you, do you think it's possible that we could? maybe not this year, but maybe 20, 30, 40 years, get into a stage of uh, consciousness and memories being stored electronically. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean the future of humanity is, will, will be, a, a, I'm going to tell you exactly now, the future of humanity will see us um, become more, become machines, become more kind of ingrained technology. Because that, I mean, we already started with kind of, uh, you know, um, heart, uh, what you call them pacemakers stuff like that we kind of like i kind of you know we, we, we've started yeah, um, yeah. yeah and, with like, like, and him hips you know plastic hips so at some point we're going to go full computer people and get super intelligence and then that'll be fun we won't be here of course because we'll be dead but um kingdom what's your thoughts on digital afterlife do you think it's possible that the human memories and consciousness can be stored electronically. I think anything in that way is a very embryonic stage at a moment. I mean, put it like this, it's not going to be possible in 2033, which is the year the upload is set in. Yeah. We're not going to be having that scenario in 13 years, definitely. And if you're in a situation which would be like your ideal afterlife situation, which could be simulated for you, what would you choose? Um, I quite like something where the laws of physics don't apply to me, you know, like a Marvel superhero where I can move walls and buildings out of the way. But I'm not sure I'd want to experience that for an eternity. I might get bored of that pretty quickly. But, okay, would that be a world where the laws of physics don't apply to you, but they apply to everyone else? Or where the laws of physics don't apply to everyone? I suppose to be fair, they'd have to not apply to everyone. Otherwise, yeah. it would just be me bullying people by smashing them into walls. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the reason why I talk about afterlife, the reason why I talk about digital storage of consciousness and memories is because of an Amazon Prime series that's come out this year in 2020 called Upload. Now, interestingly enough, Upload is a series that's been written by Greg Daniels. And Greg Daniels has a lot of fall in... Uh, popular comedy writing series because he has helmed uh, the pen as it were and he's written on shows like Saturday Night Live he's also written for The Office, he's also written for uh, Parks and Recreation and more recently Space Force. The Golden Era of The Simpsons. Yeah and some episodes of The Golden Era of The Simpsons but I, um, the reason why I'm mentioning um, uh, Parks and Recreation and Space Force is I think he is the creator. He's right creator. And I think with The Simpsons, he may have come on board as a guest writer. So with this in mind, um, the premise of Upload is we've got a story where um, there's a main character called Nathan, and he's the unfortunate victim of an automated car accident that takes place in the future, as King Don mentioned in 2033. And he's forced into a life and death decision between having an operation and going for a digital afterlife assignment. And through the cajoling of his domineering girlfriend, Ingrid, he ends up uh, 
having to choose afterlife. And he ends up becoming a resident of this kind of uh, late cabin styled resort. Like a country club, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The thing is, it is kind of like a country club, but the idea is in this future world, the premise is that they've kind of cracked the technology of kind of absorbing your consciousness and memories and turning it into an avatar uh, that can be stored in a cloud or a cyberspace. And it turns out this particular um, resort that he's chosen is funded by his uh, girlfriend's parents. And it's based on kind of the late cabins of Camden, America. And he has to come to terms and adjust with that. And helping him along the way is his angel, or otherwise technical administrator, Nora, who's an employee for Horizon, who manages the uploads and uh, transitions of individuals going from real life and death into this afterlife world. So um, how did you guys handle or grapple with that concept? Because it's very, um, it's, a, it's a kind of a high ceiling and a, in terms of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, not acceptance. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, like suspend disbelief. Sus- thank you, Kingdom. I appreciate. It. Yeah, it's a high, it's a high bar for suspension of disbelief because they're talking about some big ideas that have to be kind of dealt with in one fell swoop. So, how do you feel about that concept for a comedy? Oh, it's a comedy. Oh, okay, that makes less sense. Well, hang on, wait, wait, stop, stop. Stephen, you watched seven episodes of this and you didn't get that it was a comedy. It, no, I, I mean, I'm being a little bit fishy. I, I watched the whole thing. Um, I've watched 10 episodes. Um, All right, so I've watched 10 episodes. Cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, this might be the best prepared we've ever been to review a programme. Yeah. I mean, to, to me, it was a boring mess. It was, there was like, there was so many... Yeah, they had this like murder plotline that was paid very little attention to for eight episodes, and then suddenly it's in the last two episodes. And I mean, you can you can after watching it, it's like this. There's five hours, which it should have been an hour and a half film. It would have made a pretty kind of neat little one and a half hour film, but five hours, my god, it was boring. My god, it was it was sentimental. It was. I mean, the love. It was so, I mean, bland, attractive person, Michael Arteta, means meets a other bland, attractive person played by Sonia from Echo Belly. That's the one for the fans there. And, um, <laughs> yeah, oh my God, it just, it was tedious. <laughs> and they couldn't decide, I mean, because the story, the storyline should have been like this, this murder mystery. I mean, that, if that was a film, that would be the kind of thing they could have spent the time, you know, you know, who killed him, why. I mean, uh, they've paid so little um, attention to that storyline that I had absolutely no idea what they were talking about in the last two episodes. It's like, I don't remember this shit. So they also had the kind of storyline with, um, oh, his his relationship with his girlfriend, um, her relationship with that guy who was a douche, and um, everyone in it who's attractive was cool. Everyone who wasn't attractive was a douche. I, I, I know this is kind of in every American thing. But for some reason, it just really annoyed me. And the, the big takeaway from the show, I think, is that capitalism is bad. And from Amazon, produced by Amazon, capitalism is bad. It's okay. just, I don't know. You know, that, that's, that's my... That. <laughs> that, that's a very comprehensive take, uh, 
Stephen. Really appreciate that. But uh, let me just put some um, names to some faces or characters that you've mentioned. So you've got uh, the actor Robbie Amell, who is a bit of a, and he's kind of like a, a TV version of Tom Cruise in terms of um, not just his looks, but the shows that he's been on. Because he's been uh, the lead in shows like The Tomorrow People. He's also starred in something called The Duck and Code 8. So he's done a lot of sci-fi dramas leading up to this and that. I think another one called ARQ. And he's taken the lead as Nathan. And he's starring alongside Andy Allo, who is the love interest, who is the, um, who's Nora, who's a, his angel or administrator. And yes, like Stephen mentioned, it's a, it's the comedy kind of overtakes the kind of noir thriller aspect of it. Mawkishness over, overtakes it all. The number yeah. of episodes which end with piano music and one of the two mains staring wistfully somewhere. Is the, there's no urgency to it. There's no pace to it. There's no sense that there was something that needed to be solved, like the, the murder case, which seemed to be the um, thing tying it together. That was... Uh, you know, well, the, just... the thing is, they do come back to the murder case when he meets his neighbour, who kind of gives it, I think it's a character called Choke, who, I, uh, ironically, uh, he was the bad guy or the villain in the uh, X-Files, and um, he ends up alluding to the fact that uh, the main character's been murdered. I think at the end of, I'm not sure if it's episode one or episode two. But just before you add on to your uh, thoughts, Stephen, let, let's hear what King Dom thought the premise and the concept. The concept, well, to go back to did I have suspension of disbelief, mm. I didn't have a problem getting a handle on the concept. The only problem was it felt like I'd seen this concept already because okay. lately there have been a lot of shows that are either about the afterlife, versions of the afterlife, like The Good Place, or... Yeah. There have been shows specifically about a digital afterlife, like um, the Black Mirror episode San Junipero, which um, lots of you will remember. In fact, we might come back to this later. I found the whole thing so derivative of Black Mirror, not just San Junipero, but other Black Mirror episodes throughout the whole season. Actually, there is a series, I think, on Amazon called, um, I want to say it's called After. I'll try and find out the real, the real, real title, but it's a, I think it's a woman who has a car crash, but she's suffering from mental health issues, and she discovers that her dead dad is trying to talk to her from the past, and he's trying to remind, help her use her ancient Inca spirit so she can get some ideas about what's going on in the future. So there's a life and death thing going on in that. But um, do you feel that the comedy was unbalanced, considering the serious nature of what goes on in episode one, which is essentially a murder covered up as an accident. I mean, there's no reason why that couldn't be a comedy. But um, for whatever reason, the show does feel very unbalanced, I think. There's, yeah. It's tonally weird and yeah. not in a good yeah. way. Yeah. It, goes, it almost goes soft porn at one stage. <laughs> oh, are you talking about... I mean, there is an episode called The Sex Suit. But um, I'll, I'll, try, I'll try and say a bit more about this series. So we've got um, a main character, like I said, Nathan. He's some kind of coder who's about to be on the verge of break, having a breakthrough of a software program that's going to allow people to upload um, individual bodies or individual consciousness and memories to a database 
which families can store at a cheap or free rate so they can take them wherever, wherever they want, where they want to go. Whereas the idea of uh, being uploaded to the Horizon version of Upload in this series is, is kind of an elite uh, leisure or retirement resort that you that is constantly reliant upon how much credit you have in the bank uh, determines how much access you have to facilities. So if you have um, a certain amount of credit, you don't see so many adverts or you get to have different types of food or diff wear different types of clothes, whereas people with less money, they have a kind of more restricted and repetitive experience. So the, there is a kind of conversation there about capitalism, how the internet works. Um, there's some uh, deep dives into um, the functionality of dating apps and how it changes people's approach to dating, as well as automated services and communication devices. So I think as a sci-fi, it does try to tiptoe in the waters of what would the future like if we push these services to an extreme alongside the comedy. And that's probably one of the reasons why the, the thriller story takes a back burner, because we're looking at a lot of this story through the eyes or the, 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 the digitally re-encoded eyes of the main character. Okay, shall we go back into the um, Black Mirror thing? These are the episodes of Black Mirror that it remind me of. So, San Junipero, the uploads, and then there's Striking Vipers, which is the video game one. If you remember, the kid Dylan puts um, the AI guy, who's the ubiquitous helper, into video game mode and becomes an avatar in the game, like in Striking Vipers. There's USS Callister, with the office politics of a tech business, which is mirrored with um, Nora's experience working for Horizon. There's Nosedive, which is the Black Mirror episode where the woman obsessively tries to get a five-star rating so that society will accept her. And there's a whole episode of Upload called Five Stars, where Nora has to get five stars for some reasons which I can't explain now. Um, there's also Be Right Back, which is the Black Mirror episode, which talks about the ethics or possibility of recreating a person's personality. Oh, that was with Domhnall Gleeson. And the reason why yes. I'm, say I'm saying that is Domhnall Gleeson was in a series, in a, in a film called, um, Do X, it's called Ex Machina. And that director did something called Devs as a series, mm -hmm. which eventually became... The outcome of that series was about um, life after death and consciousness being saved in the cloud. There's also uh, the entire history of you recording a personal conversation from your memory and watching it back with other people. I mean, those are just the obvious ones, but I think there are other episodes buried in there. Also, the Doctor, the Doctor Who story, Signs of the Library, in which, which is about a girl who died and she uploads people to keep her company. Um, so there's that. There's the community episode, um, Meow Meow Beans, also about being. I mean, do, do people actually get rated on Tinder? Is that a thing? Do you get if you go on Tinder, do you get rated? I think that's satire, isn't it? Not I that I've ever been on that. I was watching it and thinking satire, but I was wondering, do they get rated on Tinder? How no, do you no, know? I think, I, I think what happens on Tinder or the set, let's say swipe left, swipe right, they is if you get a certain number of people swiping, I can't remember if rights, I can't remember if rights rejection or not, but if the swipe to the side that gets you picked 
um, if you get a lot of those likes, then they create a new category for those people as highly popular. And then the highly popular people end up getting, um, I think they end up on the paid service. So it's like people who want to see everyone ends up, I, I think dating app tried to move you into a pool of somebody who looks like you or gets the same amount of likes as you until you pay extra. Humans really love um, making like hellish concepts, <laughs> don't I mean? Yeah, God, yeah, I yeah. It's strange, but I think, yeah, I mean, in terms of like the ironies, I suppose, like data mining and data scraping is part of how this story works to kind of make the premise of how these characters survive in the afterlife. And I suppose there's been some creative data mining and data scraping of some um, sci-fi tropes. But um, here's a couple of reasons why they tried to make it a little bit different. Uh, I mean, basically, this uh, digital afterlife uh, space called Horizon, which is, um, sorry, it's called Lakeview, um, but it's owned by a kind of a mega corporation called Horizon. And when the character Nathan moves in as a new resident, he kind of moves in because he hasn't really set anything up and he hasn't decided upon anything. And it's because of his, um, I think his, his, his girlfriend's credit rating that he ends up getting access to her uh, future digital afterlife services. So when he's on board, he actually kind of starts off as a prisoner. And ironically, he's dressed up in a kind of grey tracksuit bottoms, almost as if he's mm. in his prison cell. And his first two friends or inmates... Um, are a combination of who he was and who he might become. So one of the characters who becomes his friend is Luke, who is actually a suicidal war veteran who had his legs blown off, who unfortunately uh, decided to uh, run his wheelchair, I think, under a train with a scanner. That was disappointing. Yeah, I would say one thing about that. That is one of the more cynical jokes that they smuggled in there, because yeah. he said... I lost my legs in Iran and that kind of washed over me. And then two see like scenes later, I was like, wait, there hasn't been a war in Iran. So they're joking that there will be a war in Iran between now and 2033. Yeah. Which is yeah. pretty dark. And um, the thing is when he gets his legs back, he does make a reference to having those bad boys back again. And then he ends up, um, he, he, he wants to meet or relate to a woman in real life in virtual reality and if you notice how the legs keep coming back as a recurring theme because when he goes to the nightclub in i think episode three or four when they get those extra credits or digital passes to kind of make them into a vr suit he's only commenting on the women with the legs and he actually goes for the taller woman and then when we actually see him have a sexual escapade in the series it's with a woman with double jointed legs and um, and then he also has the ignominy of um, going for a semi-traumatic time of his angel administrator is not kind of compliant with him because she thinks he's a bit too um, out of control. So she starts um, decapitating him of his digits one by one <laughs> for her, as she calls it, a fingers and oh. dicks folder. Members, I think we can say. <laughs> members folder, yeah, She yeah. demembers him. Yeah. <laughs> Dismembers. So, yeah, exactly, that as well. So I think there was a kind of element to that. I mean, how do you think that character was represented, Stephen? Well, the irritating job, mate, it's, 
um, I, yeah, I, I didn't like him as a character, no. I mean, none of the characters were characters. They're all kind of... Caricatures? I mean, they fall in love in the first episode, basically, based on what? <laughs> they, they, mm. I mean, they don't... I mean, tell me something about Nora or something about Michael Arteta that... Um, he may, <laughs> makes it He's a Michael Arteta lookalike, but he, he, he's Robbie Amell uh, from a from a from a lot of other upstanding sci-fi series. But the thing is, I the, what I got from his story was it seems uh, to be that she falls in love with him basically because he um, shows some sympathy for the people with no data. That, that, that's then forgotten until the last episode. <laughs> I mean, the way I understood the story or the story that Greg Daniels was trying to tell was. The Nathan character was kind of a people person. And even though he seemed like narcissistic because he was blessed with good looks and a good attitude and a good body, um, he just wanted to do something that made the world a brighter place for some people. So he was trying to create this software which was helping people deal or come to terms with death. However, his business partner seemed to be like very unscrupulous and to the point where I think when they incorporated the company, he he didn't put his Nathan's name as a partner down. So he owned all of the rights. So there was that kind of backstory to go into. And I think the Nora character, I think she was supposed to be somebody who was kind of disillusioned with like the cycle of dating people who only they're only mating with rating, basically. So she wasn't really getting to know anyone. And I think the, the crossover point, she was lonely, he was confused, and they kind of come together in this kind of confusing mess of a relationship where she's not quite out of her singledom because she's still seeing people on the dating app, and he's not quite sure if he's single engaged because he's in this halfway grey area of having a girlfriend that he was going to get engaged to until she died. So the, yeah, so you got all that backstory, and then but they're so relentlessly nice and relentlessly bland. There's no sort of edge there. There's no edge to their relationship. There's no kind of. I never at any point like it, it was so obvious in the beginning that they're going to be together. It was not. It was not, by the end of it, I couldn't care less if they're. And they didn't end it, bastards. They want season two. Yeah, I mean, they did a plot <laughs> twist. They did a very interesting plot twist, which I'm not sure if I'm going to give away. But I felt that these the series was using episode by episode to explain how the science works because I think there was this idea that we don't know what the afterlife, digital afterlife would look like. And each episode was saying, okay, well, here's a torrent stream where if you walk into this kind of restricted area of the, of the uh, retirement home, um, you will get blasted to pieces and your data will disappear. Uh, here's this kind of outlier space where... You can do illegal things like you can do on the, the black market of the internet. But if you go there, you it's another space where you can get lost. And this idea that um, I think there was one character, Dylan, who's basically, um, I think they explored this idea in the Interview of a Vampire, I think, uh, the film at least, I'm not sure if it was the book, where they had a young female vampire who ha- was cursed to be a vampire at like six or seven years old for the rest of her life. So you have this character who's a young boy who had been dead for six years, but he was now going through his, he was going, he looked prepubescent, he was going through his puberty years and having his feelings of getting older whilst, whilst having to be stuck in the same body, which I think would have been a story in of itself. 
But yeah, I mean, I, that, that was quite horrific, really, if you think about it. He's there dead. He, I mean, he died right in the Grand Canyon. So what, is he now in prison as a kid forever? And, and wait, wait for his parents to come back so that they can mother him like it's like a ten. But I, I think in one of the episodes, I think in one of the episodes, because he goes into that kind of dark web space, he ends up getting um, the first attempt. He ends up getting the wrong gender. But I think somebody corrects it for him. I think it was the agent or sorry, the angel, uh, Nora, corrects it for him to make him go older. So he wakes up the next day after his gender reassignment experience, which I think it could have been funny, but they, they kind of trimmed it. It didn't make it like a main series subplot. But I think um, they they made him an older person, which feels like they're going to hang back as a, a season two exploration having an older character with a different uh, motivation. Because they can't really make that actor stop growing. Yeah. <laughs> That, the, the way I, I used to think all films were, that they, they stopped films um, to let actors grow older. Until I think Richard Linklater did it with Boyhood, I think it was. Um, but yeah, I, I, ex- I was excited about this story. And uh, I wanted to go back. There was another series that Amazon did called Undone, which was about a woman who discovers she has a new relationship with time after surviving a car accident that almost killed her. That's got Bob Odenkirk in But the reason why I mentioned that is because it kind of deals with the idea of consciousness uh, and displacement and being able to uh, be in different spaces. Because I think one of the things I'd like to ask you if it worked or not was the idea of people talking to people on the other side. Because there was a lot of, these are people from the real world and these are people from the deaf world. And they're kind of crossing over and speaking to each other and communicating to each other. And they kind of had to kind of make sense of, who lives in what space and what they wanted in their motivations. It wasn't really deaf, was it? I mean, it's not like they were communicating with dead. I mean, there was re- I was thinking at one point that would it really make any difference to this series if they were just on the moon rather than dead? <laughs> well, would that, would that make any real difference to the storyline if they were on the moon? There really was no exploration of death and what that could, you know, it was all... I mean, because they're not dead. They're just frozen, basically, for a bit. And, no, they uh, are they are dead because the process is their. I think their um, their the head gets obliterated or decapitated and obliterated in order to kind of absorb the consciousness and the memories. So they're basically just a dead body afterwards. Okay, but uh, then let me just talk about then that's a semantic thing. I mean, they're not dead because they're having relationships. With well, with, well, they're having a relationship with the data imprint. Yeah. And death is a country club. It's just, you know, it, it seems it's it's just kind of unimaginative in a way. It's just... But the, but the thing is, in episode two, I think they did try to explore the reanimation principle, where they had one person who had already been at like a high profile resort, but he paid to have his consciousness downloaded back into his body, and it's kind of like an aside story where it turns up as a news flash story or news cycle. And then, yeah, yeah. So for a brief moment, this old guy is reincepted into his own, uh, into an older body, and he can feel himself for a little while until something goes wrong and his head explodes, and then doesn't. It obviously shows that. I think that's the the series trying to say that dead people can't be re-uploaded into animated bodies. And and that 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 Cronenberg moment 
I mean, that seemed a little bit out of whack with the rest of the series. Just like a. Well, it's interesting. You called it a Cronenberg moment. I thought that was very reminiscent of Robocop. The mixture of fake adverts and occasional gory humour reminded me of Robocop. And weirdly enough, there was a random reference to Robocop because Nathan says to David Choke, his older neighbour, Did you play the mayor in Robocop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think there was another thing that was interesting about that. It was, um, I mean, it actually does look like, like um, the actual Chet CEO of uh, Robocop. But the, um, another thing that was interesting was, I think there was a news report that happens like halfway through the series when Nora is actually picking up the investigation of why files are being deleted from the memory of her client so that she can find out who's, who may or may not be behind the murder that have taken place. And... I think there's a new story that comes up where um, there's an exclusive report explaining how there was a scam and um, some people got taken in by this by this um, upload scam where um, sorry a digital afterlife scam where they had their heads lasered off and <laughs> at the end of the report the the newscast says oh I'm really sorry about that I forgot to say the bit where like these images might be very harmful uh, and offensive and you might have to turn away. So I thought that was a kind of a nice, slight bit of humour about um, future science fiction not quite working in in the correct way. You know? Yeah, and it was also a very Paul Verhoeven moment. You could imagine yeah. that gag in Robocop or Starship Troopers. Yeah. Actually, do you know, in, in the beginning, the way that they had the kind of the bay and the big warehouse where the kind of the upload administrators work, that initially reminded me of, um, do you know, uh, Futurama and the kind of the workplace mm, yeah. of Fry and his uncle as they do the, the planet delivery system. So I, I, I kind of got bedded into this impression that there's like, we're, we're living in a sci-fi future where everything is made for our convenience, but it's not quite working in the way that everybody wants it to. So I mm. think this, the series was as much about exploring glitches in this superior technology as much as um, the relationships that didn't work. And I think there was probably meant to be glitches in the relationships as well. Well, glitches and um, over-branding it, everything has a corporate sponsor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, There's like a snack made by a company called Nokia Taco Bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is uh, funny because do you remember that film from the nineties, Demolition Man? Yeah. With Sylvester Stallone. And oh, in nice. Demolition Man, every restaurant in the future is Taco Bell. So they've obviously got like this yeah. sci fi satire sewn up. When they yeah. hear about a sci fi series, they're like, Yeah, we'll sponsor that. Yeah. I think there was another film like that as well, was um uh I wanna call it stupidity. Um, idiocracy. idiocracy. I think it was. I think where the um, Gatorade basically replaced water. <laughs> they were to the point to the point people actually pour, pouring Gatorade in the soil where they couldn't understand why plants weren't growing. So yeah, I think this idea that corporate sponsorship would take over. That not written by Greg Daniels. Um, idiocracy. I think yeah. Idiocracy might have been before his time, but I could just double check that. But um, so. Uh, Stephen, was there any saving graces of uh, comedy or science fiction that you saw in Upload? Is, like, is there anything that season two could learn from season one? 
I, I like the episode where they went off out to the kind of... They went off reservation to the yeah. kind of dark web. That'd be fine if they went on a journey around the internet. I mean, I think they yeah. were trying to do that in one episode, but obviously they had to put the time limit on it to kind of make it not a, like a go-to trope. But I think it would be interesting if that was the new hangout spot for them in season two. Because go and explore the internet. They can go anywhere. Uh, it just... You know, like at the end of, what is it, the USS Black Mirror episode? USS Callister. You know, when they all go off in a spaceship to explore, like, you know, cyberspace. And that's, that's, an, exciting, that's an exciting concept. And you can imagine mad adventures in that. The thing is, the country club, I think, was the surface or the veneer. Because if you remember, the main character, Nathan, he dresses up uh, in, I think, a grey sweatpants and a grey top. And... Um, yeah. The other side of it is he tends to wear the same clothes all the way through. And it's almost like a prison uniform. And the thing is, the uh, so I get the feeling that when he finds out he hasn't got control of his credit, when he finds out he hasn't got control of what he can buy and where he can go, when he finds out there's borders and regions he can't explore, I think that's when he discovers that the country club is more of a prison than an actual retirement home. And I think that's what the other characters start to find out is that they have certain restrictions based on the credit that they gained in the real world, so to speak. But, the, but they, they're kind of prisoners stuck in that space or cage. And I think that's finally discovered when, um, I think it's episode eight, when the mother kind of manages to extract um, Nathan's kind of data file take him somewhere else she goes kind of window shopping for other digital afterlife spaces and she finds that they they just get worse and naff and more problematic to the point where when he is reinserted back into the horizon server he actually lives on a lower level which is kind of like it's almost kind of like where the outcasts live because they don't even get the, the scenic views the furniture or the food. And I think he had one guy making like underwear out of a cardboard box cereal packet. No, it wasn't an, it wasn't underwear. What was it? It was a penis. Thank you, Stephen. <laughs> well it was. <laughs> he made himself a penis. Oh moving on. <laughs> <laughs> mic drop. That was Stephen's mic drop moment. But did you get the sense that it was more of a prison than than a retirement home? Because that, that's the way I had seen the story developing. Because that's why they can't go off into different regions. So they could probably explore the internet, but the way Horizon controls the data and controls the clients, it's, it's, it's about keeping them on the compound. Because um, you've got this um, AI who is... Um, it's, only one, it's only one avatar for the AI, so you've obviously not spent any money on him. And they only upgrade him to the concierge, to, I think, the councillor level, when they're councillor dogs, which is a, a strange concept, but they get these pets that are connected to the consciousness of a semi-professionally trained counsellor. And then when a real therapist comes in, he gets kind of stonewalled a little bit to the point where they think, okay, you've got to get rid of this guy and make it um, the concierge. But there was one thing where uh, I think one of the residents explains that there's glitches in certain areas of the hotel because there's a lot of people congregated in one area and you're only allowed to see like, I don't know, 2,000 or 3,000 people at a time. 
But if you go diving by the bay, you're going to get glitches because everyone's trying to dive by the bay at the same time. There's that 1.5 million people trying to do it. So the point I'm trying to make is, like, did you did you see the prison aspect? Uh, I mean, I understood all that. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. I just found it a bit boring, I think. I think that was the main thing about yeah. it. It's just it's boring. It's just boring. There was too much piano music <laughs> and gazing and, and too many, you know, I didn't care about that couple. I'd rather there was an actual storyline, a drama going on. But because it was a film that has been kind of stretched out to five hours, yeah. got all, so much kind of filler, kind of gazy stuff. And just, just you know, it would, make, it would make an interesting film, I think. But, but you, you know, it's, you, it's, you see it's all the plot go along. It's, it's, it's like, free, it was structured as a three-act structure. It was, it was it, honestly, I reckon it was conceived as a film and then stretched out when they Amazon threw millions of pounds at it. Yeah, millions of pounds at a film that's um, anti-capitalist. I mean, it sounds like you would have preferred this film if they had focused on the the kind of the black spy thriller or cyber thriller elements from episode one rather than a comedy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't really think it was that funny. That's why I was said before about, you know, it was, a, was it a comedy? Because it wasn't. I mean, there are little bits of kind of ha moments, but then a lot of it was kind of mawkish and, and sentimental. And it, it didn't feel like a. It, didn't, it wasn't sharp enough to be a comedy. Are you I a mean, fan of Greg Daniels, like his work before? Yeah, yeah, I am. But you look at kind of, I mean, th- this show has two brothers, I think. Um, the Good Place, written by Michael Schur, and Silicon Valley, which is by Mike Judge, and they're both former write- writing partners of Greg Daniels. And it's like he saw these two shows and kind of splurged them together, but it made kind of like a like an ugly kid out of it. And it doesn't, it's nowhere near as good as um either of those two shows. But it tries to clap like them but without any of their kind of ingenuity i mean mike judge in silicon valley he was brilliant because his the that show had pace every episode ending with, with a cliffhanger so you know n- you know there's always kind of a, a crisis going on there was never there's never any chance to everyone to lie back and gaze into each other's eyes and um the same good place which took philosophy and put it into a comedy series and and yet the, and this sort of tries to take bits of both of them and just ends up with something a bit inco- inconsequential and a bit, you know, blah. Yeah. I mean, I just, want to go, I just want to go back to Idiocracy because you thought that was something that Greg Daniels wrote, but it was Mike Judge who wrote and directed yeah. Idiocracy. Um, so, yeah. King Don, what, what do you think could have improved with uh, Upload? How could it have been better? If I was going to be really, really harsh, I'd say it could probably be improved by not starring Robbie Amell, because <laughs> he's a bit of a blank void at the centre of this. He's not a charismatic actor at all, for me. Um, and it doesn't help that the way the character's written, he's a bit passive, he's possibly not very sympathetic in the first episode, because... He's basically like in this relationship with a woman he doesn't like, and he's just hanging in there because the sex is good, which isn't that sympathetic. And it's also hard to believe that he had an idea which was good enough, someone would kill him for it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think 
if they had explained or maybe opened up with the business meeting about his idea, like as a presentation, I think then we would know what's at stake or why he would possibly get killed. I think the thing that throws Uploader in the air in terms of his potential is that you've got a character who's meant to be a coder who's actually designing the system which rivals the one he's about to go into. And then he kind of doesn't understand how it works once he's crossed over. And then he's got the memory lapse problem as well. And then you suddenly find out he's a coder in episode 10 and then he can like alter (laughs) reality. Yeah. No, no, you find out he's a coder from the beginning. It's just that they don't explore it. Once and then suddenly in episode 10, oh yeah, that's why. Yeah, and I think that I think that's the, I think that's one of the problems. One of the bigger, pro- I mean, I kind of enjoyed it in the in the terms of being a light hype comedy, uh, and I felt it explored some new things. But I think it threw th- it threw a lot of balls up in the air, and it let them land without catching them. Because yeah, mentioning that he was a coder from the beginning, and then not having um, talked about it again for like three or four episodes, having him killed. And then having another character in the afterlife saying he was murdered, and then him not really ruthlessly investigating for two episodes, and then the idea that why is this? Um, why has this administrator got to the point now where she's kind of latching on or latching onto her dead clients for relationships? Like what's happening? I don't think there was enough of. Um, of her loneliness to kind of justify why she would have a relationship with him because she was quite attractive and she had attractive friends and she had resources to go and meet and find other people. Uh, it just seemed a bit weird. And then there's this weird side plot which gets which happens once, which is the, the guy stealing vegetables from her window garden never really comes back. Well, that, there is a reason for that, because that shows that she's got a way to escape from her apartment. Yeah, but he kind of jumped off the ground, grabbed some vegetables and walked out. He wasn't really going into her apartment. I know it, it's, it was foreshadowing. I thought he was the assassin at the end. No, it's a different guy. He's a homeless guy who's stealing her vegetables, which for some reason are trailing oh. out of her window. He's not the assassin. It's foreshadowing the assassin. Yeah, I mean, they do try to make mention of there's a difference between printed food and organic food, and organic food is harder to come by. So I think they mention that like three times when she has her dinner with her dad and she's, he's printing something that Jane Oliver did on the internet through a microwave. And I think there's a second part of it where the niece, uh, Navia, who's played by a very bright and sparky young child actor, um, she has a sleepover, but before that, she has a family dinner with Ingrid, the main character's girlfriend, and she gets to eat real food for the first time. And I think the third time is... Um, I, I can't remember the third time. It, it was in, I think it was like... The, I think the machine broke like at work, so like somebody was complaining that he couldn't print out the food they wanted to eat. Mm. Which was another inconsistent moment, by the way, when Ingrid has the sleepover, because suddenly Ingrid's a sympathetic character, whereas yeah. previously she's been made out to be terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like a wicked witch of the East sort of thing. Do you remember the woman that was investigating the murder and then got killed off and never mentioned again? Yeah. yeah. I quite liked her. I mean, as a comedy-like stock character, she was more amusing than some of the other comedy stock characters. 
I, I, yeah, I mean, I think that might have been a script writing mistake. The episode ends with a death, and you're like, okay, now we're going. And yeah. that's it. Never mentioned. That's it. Yeah. yeah. No, but I think the problem with, with her death was she was investigating a rogue car that stopped being automated. And then she immediately goes into an automated car, not understanding that she's investigating somebody who specializes in um, destabilizing automated cars and making them die. So it was, I felt it was a waste of a character, particularly in terms of tone. She shifts it from the kind of the light, bright, fluffy, everything's great in the future to somebody she who kind of. Carrying whole, she was carrying the whole murder storyline. And so yeah. I was kind of. That, that was the bit that interested me. So when she came along and was like, oh, this man, I was like, okay, okay, let's see where the murder um, storyline goes. But then it's completely dropped after she dies. And then they forget about it until the last episode. Yeah, I, I think another thing where they lost her is every character up until she arrived is like supermodel, light, attractive. Yeah, yeah. Every, every non-attractive person in that, in that program was either insulted bad or a bad person it was it was yeah i did notice actually there was um, a, somebody listed on the credits as quote scrawny dude with bad teeth <laughs> <laughs> that's one for his cv people talk about representation but it's representation of attractive people you know gay attractive people black attractive people <laughs> but this is the diversity of attractive people do you know what? I think I thought there was some interesting representation going on in terms of the ethnicities as well. I'm not sure if you guys saw it, but they had a different uh, plethora of characters. Usually, black people don't survive in future sci-fi. They either get killed, uh, they end up getting other people killed by giving instructions, or they're chased down to be killed. So like we mentioned before, Demolition Man, the only black guy in it, has to be murdered basically, um, with Event Horizon, you've got Lawrence Fishburne, who's kind of sending people towards his death. And in, um, I think, Star Trek, the J.J. Abrams film, the first black character, and the only one for a long time is the captain, and he gets killed, and everyone else, mm-hmm. and uh, Chris Hemsworth has to take over and save the day. But um, the interesting thing is that they had different characters, and there was a range. So you had the competent angel administrator, then you had the kind of slightly... Um, aggressive and not not so work, more like a work shy one. Then you had like a Romeo character, like the hapless Romeo character who was trying to be more of a gigolo than like a good boyfriend. And then you've got the father. So I felt there was a different range of representation. And I think it was interesting that they went all the way over the top when there was a scene where I think the upload hard drive gets stolen by the assassin and he ends up running past two or three black guys where I just felt in that moment, like 30 years ago, it would have been two black guys running past some white people, which is some kind of stolen item. So I felt they did do some representation shifts, but yeah, it was a bit of a, um, uh, like an Ikea, not Ikea, but it was like an Armani photo shoot in terms of, who was allowed to speak in part. Incidentally, um, I think the actress, Christine Coe, has somehow become very, very stereotyped. In this one, she plays the flatmate of Nora, who oh, is yeah, very yeah. open about her sex life. 
Yeah. In the sitcom Dave, she plays the flatmate of the girlfriend who's very, very open about her sex life. It's basically the same part. And she's a techie person in that as well, isn't she? Yeah. She's a graphic designer in Dave. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I haven't really thought about that. Um, I have not this... I don't think... The, I mean, I'm looking at her credits. She's been in Hawaii Five-O, Dave, and Tiger Tail. So it looks like she's got some good acting chops and she probably could have absorbed more uh, time. I mean, there was a lot of Asian characters in this series, um, I felt, in, but they were in specific roles, like they were doctors. Like one of them was a doctor who kind of gave Nora a, a, a card to upload a proper software to do a memory um, reboot. And I think one guy was trying to sell a protected case for the um, upload cartridge. So they were kind of sidelined a bit. It was good to see East Asian characters being represented, but I thought they were a bit sidelined. I would say one thing about um, the main casting. I think um, Andy Allo is quite an interesting performer, even though they're probably not getting the best out of her. And I did think um, her costume as an angel was like a nice little nod to what she used to do because she was in Prince's Band, The New Power Generation. And her purple angel costume. Yeah. And her purple angel. Yeah, it's quite interesting. How old is she? 33. She was in Prince's band from 2011 to 2012, but then on some of the studio albums as well. Okay, okay. I think she was like 80s, kind of. (laughs) (laughs) No, like, latterly, but I mean, she toured with him from 2011 to 2012, and then she was on, like, the latter albums. And she meets the height requirement because she's five foot three as well, so I'm guessing Prince would have enjoyed that. But yeah, but her purple angel costume was definitely reminiscent of Prince. And it, I thought that was like a nice little nod. That must have been deliberate. I mean, in fact, she doesn't have one angel costume. I think there are like a few variants. And one of them even has gold epaulets. Is this a series that you would recommend or watch season two of? Seeing what you've seen so far? Me, no, no. I think I've said what I mean. I just I just found it dull. If it'd been a bit more focused, you know, and a bit, you know, they hadn't an idea of a kind of story that had momentum that would make a difference. But it just sort of just blabbed around for a few episodes, and then at the end, things happened. It was, I don't, I've, yeah, I just I mean that that's mainly what I felt. I found it to be a bit of a boring mess. Uh, King Dom, what are your thoughts? It- Season two or recommendation? Or... I, I think I'm bailing, I'm checking out here in terms of season two. Um, it annoyed me, irritated me that I watched five hours of this. And then in episode, <laughs> in episode 10, suddenly there are a whole lot of switches, but no conclusion. Just a set up for season two, which was irritating. Uh, would I recommend it? I don't think I would, in good conscience, recommend it to anyone without a lot of caveats. Okay. So, um, I mean, I personally was interested in this story because it was something different. IMDb is giving it 8 out of 10 already, so it's obviously hitting some marks. It describes itself as a a comedy, mystery, and a sci-fi, even though I don't think it picks up too much points on the mystery side of things. But um, plenty more to see. Uh, but thanks for taking part in this review, Sweat. Uh, appreciate your time, Stephen. 
Yeah, I mean, it was five hours, Trevor. I mean, I, I, we need to talk <laughs> about get, getting paid for this one day. Yeah. Collectively, we have spent 15 hours on this show. We literally swept the review. So thank you for that, for your time, Steve. Uh, thank you as well, Dom, Dom, for taking part. You are welcome, as always, Trevor. If you want uh, any more information about Geeksweb or where to find us, you can check us out on Twitter, which is at G-W-E-K-S-W-E-A-T underscore. Or you can find us on Instagram or Facebook. Just simply search for Geeksweb and you can find us. Uh, there's more episodes available, Castbox.com, and several other podcast streaming platforms. Thank you for listening. Over and out.